What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Andrew. Hey, Goldberg! I bet if that talk was a cheese burger, you stop it. No, I agree. I would not be an acid physically. I have more of a podcast body. Clap, 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 clap. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. Are we ducks or what? I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello, everyone. That's Kevin. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Quack Attack Podcast, the definitive My Ducks Podcast. We got a, a bit of a megapod here. Brill bailed on us, but that's okay. We got the better executive producers slash showrunners. Josh Goldsmith and Cassidy Yuspa are here. Executive producers and showrunners, as I mentioned, of Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Long careers, TV and film. You've probably seen other stuff that they've written, been involved in. We don't have time to run down their v- IMDb's, but let's get into game changers. Everything. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm curious, just how this all sort of came to you too. Uh, like Kathy, how did you guys get involved? Were you involved, involved like right from the beginning here? So, um, well, thank you for having us. We're excited. We really, really enjoyed your podcast this season. Um, and uh, we got involved actually uh, originally through our agency. Um, they called us with with the notion of coming on board a Mighty Ducks reboot. And we have um, always been interested, I mean, love the movie and have always been interested in writing a sports movie or series of some sort. And so it was appealing to us um, from the outset. We have kids who um, are involved in sports who are really of this age. So um, we had a a definite take on what the world of kids sports is today. And uh, so I think we have a lot to write about. So what was the review from your kids about the series? Well, our kids have also now become Ducks fans. I mean, they were (laughs) born after the movies, but they um, have been with us every step of the way making the show because of the pandemic. We've really, they've been around a lot of it. And they've so seen every they, cut. <laughs> they are definitely, they could do their own podcast. They're, they're like number one fans of the show, I think at this point. Wow. So yeah, maybe they have the number one uh, youth sport, youth hockey podcast in Southeastern Minnesota. <laughs> but yes. So, Just, were you guys familiar with the Mighty Ducks before you guys came on board? Like, what was that sort of um, background for you guys? We we were familiar with the movies. Um, I would say we didn't have the passion that you guys have for the movies. Um, we would not have been able to do 10 years of podcasts on the movies, but we saw them. They didn't hit us as kids. We were a little bit older um, when the movies came out, so... Um, so we weren't we weren't in that phase of our lives, um, but we certainly were aware of the movies and loved the movies, and um, and uh, really also just love, as Kathy was saying, sports movies in general. I am a huge sports movie person, and um, I, I sob at sports movies um, across the board. So um, in a in a way that he doesn't uh, very yes, serious. Yes, <laughs> very very serious. Like a lot of tragic movies i'm fine i'm I'm fine you know saving prior ryan i'm good rudy i'm 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 devastated and a mess so um what's the number one what's the number one for you oh i I mean i it's it's so hard but um rocky probably i'm from philadelphia 
So I think it's gotta be, it's gotta be the Rocky and all the Rocky movies for me, but um, I just love everything that is Rocky in spirit, which is the Mighty Ducks, which is the Karate Kid, which is, you know, I, I mean, there's just so many of them. And I also love, um, you know, Bull Durham and like more unconventional sports movies like that, that don't, um, you know, don't follow all the, all, all the beats, but, you know, go, go in a whole different way. I, I love that as well. Yeah. So like how much of the general story was in place when you guys got involved and like, what was that uh, like to come up with this whole idea of the don't bothers and the whole arc about, you know, the ducks being the bad guys and everything like that. When, I mean, not a lot was in place when we got there, when we had a meeting with Brill um, and um you know, we, we just started talking about what the show could be. And we had this very specific take on kids sports today, how it's become super competitive, this kind of comp, you know, this industrial complex of is, kids sports. That's what we've seen with our kids growing up is like, you really, that every kid is a mini pro, that every kid is kind of, you know, you've got to specialize, you've got to focus early, you've got to train on the, you know, on the weekends. You, you, we, we have friends who, who, you know, take their kids every weekend it's in you know a new sport a new place and and um and we 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 actually know uh, uh, you know we took a lot of stories from a lot of different um families and people we know and um you know the fire you know the kid getting cut and it being you know the mom who you know melts down and says none of you are going to become professional athletes do you understand how insane everyone's acting that stuff we had said many times to each other and to other uh, parents as we witness the insanity at our kids are into tennis so is tennis for us but it's all the same you know and in fact it's not even just sports it's really parenting today it's really you know uh, to us not just about um, kids on the field or on, a, on the ice rink but um, we were uh, we were at a, a school tour and um, one of the dads said that his his kids for little kids for cool. little kids this is elementary school and they were asking like what are your kids interested in and um and yeah the dad said my kids passions are um robotics water polo and jazz and the kid was eight years old it was insane so um so that's the kind of world that we are parenting in and the world that we wanted to create um with you know with this new show and so the, so the idea of the ducks ending up being the bad guys in this series um, really felt like the organic place that the team would have evolved over time to become, you know, the powerhouse team that is so, so that's where that idea came from. It's like, if, if we really looked at where this team would have gone in culture today, that's where it felt natural to us. And the idea of the don't bothers came about because we were trying to figure out who the new underdog of today is, right? If you want to make an underdog story, who are the underdogs? You know, you could do their their poor, you know, disadvantage in certain ways. And we said that really the, the the underdogs that we see on the field are the kids who aren't willing to, and the parents who aren't willing to dedicate their entire lives and their entire existence and their entire paycheck and their entire summer to 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 sports. They just are kids who want to play, and there's no playing anymore. It's all very serious business. It's not fun. And so that's where the idea of um, the idea of the don't bothers actually came from. We we wrote that speech for her first, where she's she says, 
you know, it's like this don't bother idea where, you know, you're told by a coach, um, don't bother, don't bother playing if you're not willing, if you, if you don't think you have the talent to be a, you know, a superstar by age 10 and nationally ranked and some kind of champion, don't bother. And so we had that whole speech in mind. And that, and from that was born this idea of maybe we call the team, the new team, the don't bothers. And, that, and maybe that's the, the angle of the underdog, the more modern angle of the underdog is the don't bother kids. Interesting. So as, you know, below average wannabes, we can take characters and sort of like take Charlie Conway and put him in a different situation. But like, how do you take a team and sort of fill out the rest of those characters when you have like Logan and Nick and Coob and like, how do you, where do you pull from to get all those different characters and all those sort of the, the different backstories uh, for these kids? A lot of them were little things we observed along the way of yeah. different kinds of kids out there. Like we've seen a kid who showed up with the most elite equipment, the most, you know, perfect um it, this was like we said tennis you know the kid came with like 10 rackets in the bag, the bag that you know the headband that tied in the back and uh couldn't hit at all so um that became the basis for like the the idea for logan who you know is has everything except any talent um and um like that i think that we i think that we were also just trying to create dynamics so we knew we wanted to have a kid like sophie who was part of the Ducks um, and didn't come over to the team at first, but then came over to, you know, came over to, uh, because she had a conflict with her parents. We, we had the idea for that story early. And then the quirks of the other, of the other kids, you know, that's just invention and, you know, character details that we observed along the way. And also our actors were so good, our kid actors, that they really, they really brought a lot to it. And um, yeah, we, we had this idea of a gamer who only played video games and never did sports in real life. And the podcast kid was really, we love that idea of, of a kid who talked about sports, but never played sports. And that was always kind of a, he was a money ball or money puck kid. Um, and uh, what, what, what would that look like if he actually put skates on? Yeah. Now Brill, who, I don't know, I, I want to emphasize, definitely bailed on this podcast. He allowed us to take credit for the podcast kid. I just want to make sure you guys okay. are okay with us taking sure. credit, you know. It's for, based for, on you, fully based okay. on you. Perfect, perfect, yes. We like to take credit. A combination of all, of all of you. Perfect, perfect. All right. Um, yeah, so I want to go into, and, and you guys said you're fans of the pod, so I, I imagine you know this is coming. So the checkmates have been very controversial yes. on this podcast. Um introduced and then we get a little payoff at the end but like what was the thinking to you know bring them in and i think it was episode six and was there like a larger storyline or how did that all play out so i love your obsession with the checkmates and um it, you know you did hit on it at one time in the pod you said maybe they just needed to fill out the team because it was unrealistic that they only had a certain number on the team so they just needed some more people that was the idea um, I mean, that was really why we did it. They weren't sort of, we didn't have a grand plan for the checkmates throughout. We did, and you guys kind of pitched this and I was laughing when I listened to it. 
we did at one point joke about the notion that the end goal of the final game of the final episode would be scored by the checkmates and then they would be lifted up and then we'd freeze frame on their face. Last shot, last <laughs> shot of the season. Uh, Just as a, as a kind of ridiculous and absurd ending to it all. Um, but no, but they, but, you, but do, yeah. you do certain things in the writer's room to make your story work. And we needed, we needed a bigger team. We needed rules. We needed the 10 episode team for, for the, for the finals and so they're, they're, they served they served a story role for us yeah and it's just when you get to that many characters it's it's you know in practical terms very hard to service every single one of them as much as you'd like to because those kids by the way those guys were great they were really talented it turns out and funny um and um you know you just you just don't get a chance to do everything you'd like to do in in you know 10 half hours so how did you guys pick the the country that they're from is it based on the the checkmates joke or is it like yo we got lunch coming in five minutes just put them from czech republic and we're gonna get out of here i think i think one of our writers actually came up with the idea of that nickname yeah and then therefore okay they're czech (laughs) i think that was right i think it was i think it was the joke was thought of and then we're like that sounds that sounds right and it's plausible because of hockey (laughs) and yes All right, so I, I accept that answer, um, by the way. I, I am willing to accept the checkmates for what they are. Uh, but I, yeah, it, it was fun. But I, love, I love that you guys have created such a deep internal life for them. I love yeah, it. No, it was fun to, you know, follow. There was a lot of things like sort of subplots we were following. Checkmates was one. The kiss was a big one just because Brill told us there was only one kiss. Um, yeah. So I'll uh I'll reverse course and accept the checkmates for who they were and what they what purpose you, they played. Were you satisfied by the kiss? Did you think I was? I, I I was really hoping that Nick would kiss Evan. I thought that would have been hilarious. <laughs> season two, season two. <laughs> no, yeah, I was. I thought it was a uh, you know considering they were twelve years old, I thought it played out pretty well. Um, yeah, we were trying to see if Nick would get in there. You know, he had a lot of uh sort of, uh, I don't know, backstory is the right word for it, where he, you know, him and Winnie and then MJ. Uh, so we thought he might get it. And then, you know, maybe Alex and Gordon. But uh, yeah, I think overall, we were good with Sophie and Evan there, especially uh, the way it happened. Yeah. And, and those two actors had just great chemistry. They were, uh, I'm talking about Sophie and Evan, um, so great together. And I really just believed them as a little, uh, as, a, as a teenage couple that, you know, had a lot of uh, a lot going on together. Yeah, yeah, and so I know there were a lot, obviously, a lot of COVID restrictions, um, and um, you know, watching it, you can, you can, um, I think you guys did a fantastic job of kind of writing around some of those things. Um, but in early, I guess, drafts, was there more of a romance between Bombay and Lauren Graham's character, or is that something that you guys kind of knew right away? Like, hey, we don't want to make them like focus it's supposed to be on you know the kids and Bombay's resurgence we don't want to like kind of throw in a, an, an adult romance into this show I think that, that we basically felt like you don't want to you want to save you want to save story for your series and anything you do we, we wanted to slow down the first season and just kind of you know hint, hint to things a little bit but not uh not go overboard at this point and see and see how it develops you mentioned something about, you know, you thought Sophie and Evan, the character or the actors had good chemistry. Like how involved were you guys in the casting process? Like, do you pick these people or 
are you just giving these people and you, you know, try to make it? No, we we picked them all. Okay. We found them all. Yeah. We auditioned tons and tons of kids and, um, and found, I think, great ones. I, I couldn't be happier with um, the kids we landed on. So one thing um, back from the original Mighty Ducks is um, uh, the character of Greg Goldberg, the goalie, was originally like he was uh, Inuit. He like had like one line. He just said like three words, like you know, I am Tuck or something. That was his name. Um, and of course, it, it very much evolved. And uh, the actor Sean Weiss um, just was like a, a cut up, and they you know they kind of catered some of the the writing toward the the actor as opposed to what was originally in the in the screenplay did you guys cater much to some of these kids that you found said oh we've got to you know we can go really hard on you know logan now because you know he's got that great look and he's got good comedic timing things like that we definitely learned as the season went along um what um what the strengths and weaknesses of, of all the kids were and what their sort of you know comedy fastball we call it you know or or emotional you know what what they really brought to the table and definitely um, steered the writing uh, into that, into what we believed. I mean, in terms of, for example, Coob, the goalie, if you bring up Goldberg, um, we first saw him on America's Got Talent. Luke Islam. His name's Luke, yeah, uh, our actor. And he was, he said he wanted to be a Broadway star and he sang a song from Dear Evan Hansen. And we always thought he was great and we loved that show. And um, he came into audition, he had never acted before, but we knew him from AGT and, so for that example, we always knew we needed him to sing, you know, so we kind of created, uh, based on his great singing voice, that kind of little odd twist in the, uh, in that sleepover story where he distracts the moms by singing Les Mis. And then that went so well that we added the, yeah. the, the uh, you know, the national anthem in, in, at the end. Um, but yeah, this, so that was written to his strengths. Um, for and, sure. and, and, you know, uh, the character of, of Nick, I mean, that kid is just so funny, so funny. And so we always knew that he would be the guy who could just really write hard, awesome jokes for, and he would always deliver. Um, and, uh, you know, he never disappointed. And in fact, he added, he brought so much to it. And, uh, you know, some of the jokes you're hearing are just out of his mouth, randomly, um, improv. Um, that's how talented that kid is. So, and then Evan, uh, you know, Brady has such heart, such sort of little leading man, you know, kind of vibe. Um, so we definitely, definitely wrote to that. And then, yeah, when we saw him and Sophie together, we actually auditioned them and we got to see them together in a room, in an audition room together. And we realized then, oh, these guys, we always knew their, you know, we, our goal was to have a little romance, but we didn't know how far we were going to take it or if it was going to work. And we would have bailed on it had it not worked. But um, once we saw them read together in a, a, you know, and that tape exists, um, we knew we had something great between them. I, I did get a, a text from a friend of Tommy and mine uh, today that, who suggested that we rename our quarter of the week award to the, to the Nick quarter of the week honorary award, uh, just because he was so great. He, what, he, he has like, what percentage of those quotes of the week? Probably at least half. 90% I guess. 90%, yeah, probably. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. our, he's our, or he's a ringer. He's our spirit animal. Exactly. <laughs> is, is, is he just like that naturally or does he just like turn it on? Like when he's, he's a really funny camera? kid. He is hilarious in person, on screen, every, every, everywhere. And not just hilarious, he has incredible heart too, um, which I think is what makes his comedy so effective because he's real. He's a real guy who you love and you care about and he's super funny. 
Yeah. So when he comes in to audition or however you first saw him, like, do you know, like right away, all right, he's the kid or does it take some, you know, uh, stepping back and really looking at it? The minute, the minute we saw the tape, because you now at first see everyone on tape and then you bring in, you know, the minute we saw his first tape, we said, that's our Nick. And, um, you know, we did have to go through some hoops to make that happen um, from, you know, there's always all of these people who ring in, but uh, with every part, but um, we knew immediately with, yeah. with, with him, with Maxwell. Yeah. Usually you do. Usually. I mean, usually with auditions, you kind of feel it right away. Um, but in, in the case of him, we really, really felt it. We said we, yes. have, we have to have, have to have. So, I mean, when you look at this reboot, obviously there was a lot of um, Easter eggs, callbacks, whatever you want to call them. Were you constantly thinking that? Did you say, hey, we have to get a callback in every episode? Like, how do you approach, you know, sneaking some of that stuff in versus letting the new story happen sort of naturally? I would say we really, for us, we really just focused on telling the stories. Um, with the exception of, of, of episode six, where all the ducks come back, you know, the original OG ducks. And I think that in that episode, we really were cognizant of who these people were, who they are now, and making that a large part of the story breaking process. For everything else, um, we tried to just create something new and interesting. And we weren't there, we weren't we weren't very focused on let's put this Easter egg in. I would say that the good news is is that we had Brill, and so Brill, while being great at a lot of things, um, he really did say, you know, it's going to be really fun for the audience if we say this or if we spin this this way, um, and that's something that we might not even know. You know what I mean? Like we don't we've not been to duck conventions, you know? <laughs> but some of our writers, we had writers on yes. staff who, who were super fans of the show growing yes, up. that's true too. And, and, they, and they brought some of that to it as well. So there, so there was a, there, you know, we were kind of, we had to just uh, be the engine of like, what story are we telling this season and this week? And um, that's really, I think, the, the hardest part and the most important part for us and making it entertaining in its own way. Um, and then, you know, we always wanted to honor, I mean, in, in with the character of Bombay, obviously there was that, there was that through line, right? And so there were a lot of, lot of conversations about who Bombay is now versus who he was, how did he get this way, um, what happened in the interim. And so we did want to honor the original, you know, the original character, but also just give Emilio new stuff to play, an interesting different place to be in his life um, and um, as a character. So there was, there was a lot of talk about it, but really the focus was just creating something that honored the original, but that, you know, felt new. Great work, by the way, because Grumpy Bombay was amazing, especially yeah. those first few episodes. Yeah, I think he did that great. And, you know, that was something new for him and uh, as a character, for sure. Um, but he really, uh, he really sunk his teeth into it. And by the yeah. way, a lot of the Easter eggs that you point out on the pod, I didn't even know. <laughs> sometimes like, oh. we stretch a little bit yeah, we're like well, yeah you're like gotta be from d3 i mean i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> i guess if pod says that it must be true <laughs> um, <laughs> go ahead tommy so so one question i have and um so you know when you're writing 25 minute episodes essentially um it's um you've got 10 episodes you know you have to do and you've got um, all kinds of planning that goes on. I'm curious about you two specifically, 
your writing process for comedy because you have so many great one-liners. And I think that's one thing we've praised a lot about the show is just like every scene has something, you know, very funny in it and, and you're laughing, you know, obviously there's a lot of heart, but what, what is you two specifically, what is your process in there? Or do you have things that, hey, I've always wanted to slip this line in here and now we've got the opportunity or I came up with this five years ago, et cetera. Or are you guys just so great kind of on, on the spot that you're coming up with that? Or is the writer's room just kind of like riffing the entire time? I think it starts from character, right? It starts, it starts from who the, who the people are that we have, that we've created. And as you're saying, the actor's strengths and weaknesses, we kind of know, you know what Lauren Graham does well, you know what I mean? You know what she's going to bring. Um, and she's got such a really great specific comedy, uh, you know, comedy style. comedy style. And so it's easy to write for because you, you can just feel it in your bones as you're going. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of jokes that we had from a long time ago. No, it's, it's really put the and out of that comes an emotional moment or a, a funny moment. And um, we're comedy writers. You know, we've done a lot of we've done a lot of in room comedy writing and punching up in our careers. And so um, we you know, we always the, the story is, 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 is solid and the emotions are solid. Um, the jokes come from from that. Uh, really, I would I would say that's that's how it goes. And and so my favorite um, kind of one-liner of the series, and you know I'm not sure if you guys read this or not, but I, I do want to give uh, the opportunity to give you credit is uh, in the uh, the last episode where you know the uh, the don't bother to just forfeit and they they had to stare down with the ducks and you know so it's like oh you guys and you know you guys didn't actually win. I think uh, Dylan Playfair's character Coach G says, well I've got a trophy and a two hundred dollar gift card at PF Chang's. It says otherwise. And I just love that line about PF Chang's and two hundred dollars, oddly specific amount. So is that you guys? And if so, yeah. how did you get that? That that was a, that was the two of us. Yes, that was a, that was our joke. And we've 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 made many PF Chang jokes. Uh, it's a little bit of a comedy restaurant to us. Uh, for a variety of reasons. But there was debate about how much yes. money was funny. Yeah, we debated like, we debated on that joke because I love that joke too. And thank you for, thank you for, I would say that. And then uh, podcast body, which you have in your opening, which was Kathy's line, which is like the number two joke maybe of the series. And uh, I will defend Belgium is number three for me. I don't know if you guys remember that line. Yeah, that was a great uh, one. You know, just randomly like, that's what he thinks is gonna solve the problem. Um, but anyway, those are my top three jokes. But the P.F. Chang's joke, yeah, we did. First of all, we got a lot of pushback on using the name P.F. Chang's. There's a lot of uh, network and uh, advertiser stuff that goes on. And so at first they didn't wanna allow us to do that joke at all. Uh, and our executive who's fantastic got in there and fought for that joke for us. Um, like it's not gonna work, it can't you know, just be that he's got a restaurant. It can't be a random or... restaurant that has a generic name. It has to be P.F. Chang's. And, it, and by the way, it has to be two hundred dollars yeah. because if it because the argument that we were having among ourselves is well, could he really feed a whole team for two hundred dollars? And the answer is no. And so it wouldn't be a realistic amount. Like in theory, if it was a good award, they would give him eight hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. <laughs> but that's not funny for some reason. <laughs> we like the idea that yeah. even if he used the card, he'd have to. Pay it's a little low, right? <laughs> it's a little too low to to get the whole team a meal. So. Um, for whatever reason, that's just, you know, that's just a lot of years of comedy writing to why $200 to P.F. Chang's is funnier than $300 to Cheesecake Factory. You know what I mean? It's just whatever. Yeah. That's something you can't really, something you can't really define, but you just know it when you hear it. If there's a lot of discussion about, you know, what is the optimal P.F. Chang's order for $200 and, yeah. and 
It doesn't cut it. It would not cover a whole team. It would may, maybe be just appetizers. Maybe just know. appetizers, you know, the, the lettuce cups maybe. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think it's enough, but I think that's why it's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, kind of speaking of the ending, was that sort of the original plan to have a forfeit and then, you know, they play the unsanctioned game and, and to for the Ducks name or like, how did that... Um, come about and were there any earlier instances of uh, it being any different we we did um i think we did know from the beginning that we wanted the don't bothers to become the mighty ducks in the end so we wanted to get there we didn't quite i think exactly know how we were going to do it um and then we really did roll around a lot of a lot of different possibilities for the ending but the goal is obviously always to make it really satisfying and emotionally, you know, and emotionally great for an audience, but also just not make it so straightforward that you see it coming a mile away. So and I think we didn't, we yeah. did not want them to, to win everything. We didn't, we wanted to leave the series someplace to go in the future. If it, you know, if it goes on in the future, we, we wanted to, we, we wanted it to be like, not, not a full victory. There's still the don't bothers, right? Even though they become the mighty ducks. The message of our show is not you work your ass off and you get better and you win. You know, ultimately at the end of the day, the message is find a balance, right? Find the fun, find the joy. And through that, you will, if not have victory on the ice, you will have a, you know, a big picture victory in, in, in life. And so I think we were trying to figure out a way to make that the ending and not just a hockey victory, but you want some hockey victory. So we came up with the idea of twisting it, twisting it and turning it and, and you know, involving Sophie's knee injury, which we planned in the beginning, which we knew was gonna come back in some big way at the end um, in order to have them forfeit and then have that kind of underground, a little bit like the end of, I think it's Rocky II where Apollo and you know, Rocky are gonna fight in, the, in that dark gym with no one there, ding, ding um, kind of moment. So let's uh, let's talk about season two. I think Steve Brill mentioned Disney Plus said, "Hey, let's wait till you know we get all ten episodes and the analytics." Um, do you have? Is there like a date where you get a yes or a no, or how does that work for sort of a renewal for uh, the series? There will be a date, and they haven't given us that date, but it will be relatively soon when they'll tell us. I think now that all the episodes have dropped, I think they're going to take a look at. Um, you know, take a look at all their numbers. And um, I think the thought is also that once there's 10 episodes on the streamer, a bunch of people who didn't watch, who are just used to binging, will now come to the show and just binge it. Um, and, and I think that's true. So I think they'll wait a little while, but we've gotten some positive early signs, yes. So wait, speaking of season two, uh, so we've been angling for some walk-on roles. Um, how much have you thought about that? And who is my love interest? Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Who? What? What? What's your type? Uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty open. So Kevin's current girlfriend. They've been together for a while. That's that's rude, but uh, she's uh she's short and redheaded. So I want you to keep that in mind. Dude, and oh man, she's gonna be so mad at Tommy. And she snorts when she laughs. So <laughs> there you go. By the way, I don't know if we'll use you guys, but I'd love to see her audition for something. She sounds hilarious. <laughs> wow, Kevin, you just she's gave gonna up kill, our She's going to kill Tommy because that's not at all, except for the snorting. <laughs> she's redheaded, well, I guess, right? She sounds, like, she sounds like a star waiting to happen, frankly. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I've always wanted just to be a character with a number, you know, like security guard two or something like that. I think that's my peak of, you know, stardom. I, I, I you got to set the bar low, I guess, but do you guys, do you guys start working about on season two before it happens? Do you think about it? How is um, that process work when you're kind of in limbo? Um, yeah. I mean, even when we originally pitched the show, they like to hear that you've got notions of future seasons. So, so those kind of things had been in our minds for a while. Um, and you, you, you do kind of, you know, keep it going, especially like working so hard on the show. It's, it's when it stops, your mind is still going to some extent. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that we we're circling, circling around ideas for sure. Because we, yeah, we were doing post, uh, production editing and sound mixing and all that stuff, you know, quite a while after the show finished production. And then we took a, we did take a break and, you know, you clear your heads, but um, we had some notions going forward um, that we're excited about uh, should we get the opportunity. If Disney Plus said, we want to do season two, but we're, uh, we're going to be debuting a new platform called Disney After Dark, where everything's R-rated. And they say, but we want Mighty Ducks Game Changers to be like, you know, our, you know, uh, essentially our big guy on that. Could you do an R-rated version of season two? Is that ready? Um, there may be some legal problems with that with children. Yeah, I'm not sure that she, I'm not sure how the parents or guardians would feel about that. So, um, I think we could, but um, yes, not sure that would be Disney's first choice. So it's just a, a maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say maybe. Okay. Because <laughs> we've got plenty of those ideas, so just yeah. let us know. <laughs> Yes, uh, of course, they, they come up when uh, just adults are talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like to play a game where we would we try to figure out the best place to put like an F word in, you know, the original oh, right. yes. Um Yeah, do you have um, anything come to mind if you were to put it in Game Changers, uh, any moment where you, you might slide one in? Didn't we have a couple lines where we had to downshift them? Yeah, we did. I, um, I think I heard a hell in the last there episode. Was at, there was an ass at one point. Evan said ass, didn't he? Yeah, they did. Yeah, he said, said ass. Um, what was the what was the uh, whole grape syrup bitch? That would be a good one. Oh yeah. So so there was a line in um, the the first episode where he takes his half grape out, if you remember, and he. He actually chokes on the. It's his mom. His mom whole, slices his overprotective yeah. mom slices his grapes for them that day. He comes in with whole grapes, like ready. She she man, as, ready a, as a, a symbol of letting him be a man. She has not sliced his grapes for the first time, and he puts the grape in his mouth, and then he actually chokes on it. And I think the line that ended up in the show was Nick saying, "See, that's why I stick to raisins," which was very funny. But I think the original line in the script that they wouldn't let us say was. Um, I get it, man. Whole grapes are a bitch. Um, but they, they wouldn't let us say that. But I would say that would be a good place for an F-bomb if I could. Yeah. Whole grapes are a fucking bitch. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I like it. I'll I'll whole grapes will fuck you every time. Whole, whole grapes will fuck you up. Um, let's give it to Nick. He'll, he'll, he'll be the one to sell it. I, I think another option would have been the only words from the checkmates was just like, <laughs> we're fucking oh, ready, yeah. you know. <laughs> just everyone looks at him and that let, might, that might be the best. Let's yeah. fucking do this. Yeah. <laughs> I love um, how you guys are still still pitching checkmates. <laughs> we're we're gonna have a, a backstory for them within the next couple of weeks that we'll get to you. And yeah. 
it, yeah. you maybe don't show your kids. It'll be pretty dark. Right. By the way, by the way, there is a thing in the writer's room where every every dynamic that you're pitching and talking about, you say spinoff. So checkmates. All right. Figure it out. Nick and, his mom, Nick and his mom's own the pizza place. I mean, there's you know, there's a million different you know things that will never happen, but. All right. Well, but, but I'm just. But definitely things we will talk about. Exactly. No, I, I, I leave it to you. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So uh, we do this thing called the quack question. We ask questions uh, from the quackalites. We pick the best ones, try to answer them. Uh, Kevin, do you have the quack question for you? Uh, I do. Uh, there are going to be a few because there are there are some pretty good ones. Um, I, uh, I, I guess th this is pretty kind of general, but uh, this one comes from Adam, uh, I'm gonna butcher this, uh, Ganusho on Facebook. Um, his question is, were there any ideas that were discarded or not pursued because they would have strayed too far from the spirit of the movies? A good question. I'm, trying to, I'm sure that there were, but I'm trying to think of what. I think that uh, going back to the idea of the ending, we talked about the idea of them losing at the end, but winning in spirit because their whole, their whole thing is, we don't need to win on the ice. We win as humans, um, as the don't bothers. And I think we, we toyed around with that for a while. And I, I don't know if it was us or it was finally the Disney people who were like, yeah, it just feels disappointing. You really, you know, you, you want to have them win, win for the right reasons, but we got to have a, we got to have some kind of W. Yeah. I so, thought they were going to lose the state championship, uh, and then, you know, come back, but, uh, did, did Brill fight for them to lose the state championship to get uh, his uh, original uh, screenplay of them losing in D1? Uh, we, did in, in we, we, did, we, did, we definitely talked about it with Brill. And I think uh, as all sort of writers who want to create something that doesn't feel like by the numbers, you always go with, could they lose in the, you know, it's like Rocky, right? That's going back to Rocky as my favorite sports movie in the original Rocky, he loses. Um, but he goes the distance, and that is the victory. And um, there's always the instinct as as a writer who wants to you want to be smart and you want to be interesting. There's always there's always a, a desire to create some version of that, which was so good. Touched on this a little bit, but this one comes from Matthew Blake on Facebook. Um, his question is: Were specific game changer characters modeled off of the original ducks? Were, were any of our characters modeled after, after the original Ducks? Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, beyond Bombay, the characters are are new in this in this version. I think I think similarities appear, and I know you guys pointed out a lot of oh that's that's from you know as you said you 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 sensed a callback to the character of you know whatever whatever character it was. For us, the process it was important for us to just try to invent and not rehash. But I do believe that once we got into it, I'm sure there were echoes of Charlie Conway and Evan, you know, and, and, and you know, if you go down the list, um, you know, there, there, there end up being some things that if you watch them back to back, you'd say, oh, I, I, I could think that, but, but really we weren't, we weren't looking to, looking to echo them particularly, no. All right, wait, one, one last one. Um, I'm trying to get some of our, some of our newer Quackalites uh, involved. Uh, our our Quackalite base has exploded since you guys wrote such a brilliant show. Uh, so this one comes from Adam Ferry. 
on Facebook as well. Uh, questions besides getting Charlie Conway in season one, are there any like subplots that you wish you would have been able to incorporate in the story, but probably I would guess had to scrap because of COVID restrictions? Well, we would have loved to have followed the checkmates back to the Czech Republic. <laughs> yeah. And done about it, like maybe a three episode arc, seeing where they came from, seeing them find, you know, go back. And um, that was one we didn't do. What did we leave on, what did we leave on the table? We have, we sort of told the story we wanted to tell in season one. Um, and luckily, the you know, everyone did an amazing job making it and really under really difficult circumstances. So we didn't, we didn't end up having to change too much for the for the pandemic. Yeah, I think I think um, with when we have you have Emilio and you have Lauren Graham um, and such good kids, there's always only a certain amount of um, airspace that you have to 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 cover everything you'd like to cover. So what we kind of structured it as we tried to give each kid. Um, a big moment to really take stage, at least one episode where they really came to the front and uh, showed who they were and got into their home life or, or, or whatever it is was their issue. Um, I would have loved to have done more than that, um, but with only 10 episodes and having to really, you know, wanting to do it for all of them, you just didn't have time. So, um, I, you know, I, I would hope to continue to do that in season two. If, if we if we get to do it and um yeah it's not so much a regret as you know these kids are so good um you really wish you could have more little scenes with uh you know taken and bella or there was you know there's just a lot of great little dynamics that we created that um really only got serviced a couple of times kind of along those lines did were there any original mighty ducks that you tried to get that just weren't able to make it uh, outside of charlie i think brill mentioned charlie was, or charlie uh josh jackson had a baby he was doing a different show was there anybody else that you tried to get that just didn't uh work out for whatever reason i don't brill was brill would be the one to answer that because i'm not i'm not totally sure we always knew that, that we were going to do this reunion episode we were going to get and so it was always a question of how many are we going to get and who they were going to be and who's available. And there were a lot of issues with shooting in Canada. In that, right. In that you know, case, that the, the pandemic issue. did affect things because yeah. it, it, it was, you know, it, it was a lot, a lot of work to get that number of people to be able to travel there, quarantine and do everything they needed to do for the show. So I'm sure that there are more characters who, who we'd love to see in the future who we couldn't we just couldn't fit in yeah. for, for this. It was a two week, you had to stay in basically a hotel for two weeks and not do anything in order to go get to Canada from America. So that was a, that was, a, you know, tough for a lot of people to, to do. Uh, Josh, you know, you mentioned uh, Rudy earlier, you know, you tearing up and uh, I think we can all relate to that a little bit. Um, we mentioned in one of our uh, analysis of like the last episode where we got Rudy vibes where, you know, he was like, Hey, you know, if you don't play, I'm not going to play, et cetera. And they all, Essentially, it's the akin to laying the jersey down, you know, Rudy can take my spot. Um, are there any other um, in, I don't know if that was intentional callback to Rudy or not, but are there any other items that you guys put in there that are like, you know, nods to either movies or writers that you appreciate that we should go searching for, not necessarily Easter eggs back to the Mighty Ducks, but any kind of callbacks, either sports movies or, or art that you're uh, very fond of? Um, I mean, I think, I think, for sure, that was a that was a shout out to Rudy. That that scene where they lay the sticks down, um, no question about that. Um, it's a great question. Um, the final, like we said, the final the final 
game for the name is that kind of you know at, at dawn dark you know no crowds like that that vibe. yeah there's always that like under the highway kind of I, I don't even know what movie it's from exactly but uh, you know it is it, it feels like I've seen that idea going back to that you know the midnight fight that Apollo and Rocky never had you never see it but um, you know they're about to have it when um, you know when one of those movies ends, and also you know the, the shout out to Rocky in terms of the the effort to not have them just win in a straightforward way, but the the effort to make that um, a more interesting journey. Um, I'm I'm sure there are more um, more things that we have 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 called out. I mean, I mean, we were big fans of Jerry Maguire, another another sports movie. So, you know, the idea that that Lauren Graham, you know, threw it all away in the in the in the first episode was somewhat inspired by that too. Yeah, that was we actually when we were writing, we called that the Jerry Maguire speech. Did you um, guys try to get Jay Moore there to like just ruin <laughs> it all for her and Yeah, we did not approach Mr. Moore, but we should have. He's yeah, very season incredible. 2. He's great season 2. It's always season 2. Um, no, but yeah, we did call that her, her Jerry Maguire moment where she has this, you know, stands up in front of everyone and says, this scene is nuts the truth, the and, truth. and says the truth. Um, and then regrets it almost immediately. But, um, yeah, we, we, we love that movie. Um, I mean, we did, I think from, I mean, a big, big fan of Moneyball as a sports movie and we did, although it didn't really come across in any of the specific writing in the jokes, but the Nick character, it was sort of about this notion of money. Like, can we create a team? Well, this was an initial concept. This didn't really play out as we, as we did the series, but one of the initial notions was that somehow Nick, through his knowledge of obscure things about each kid or, or in a money ball way, they, they managed to win in a money ball way as opposed to an a, a actual talent way. And um, I think I think in a vague way we achieved that. Um, although I would say not direct, you know, we didn't directly steer into that too much. But there was a sense that uh, of Moneyball being these weird underdogs who did things in a quirky, unusual way. That's a sports movie trope, also. Anyway, so we didn't invent that, or Moneyball didn't either. But we did we did look to that movie a little bit. All right, so we're way over. Oh, sorry, time. and also just in terms of putting uh, putting the Bombay character in a in a craggy, you know, uh, angry at the world kind of way. That was, you know, certainly a shout out to your Bad News Bears or Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own. Um, those kind of characters who have kind of who are still in the game but have kind of given up on life. And um, we, you know, and Bull Durham, honestly, um, to a certain extent. And so that was always, um, th those kind of characters were always in our mind in, in where we wanted Bombay to be. Yeah, so we are well over time, but we got a lot to talk about. But I do have one sort of um, final question here before we wrap up. So, you know, assuming things go well, Disney Plus loves the numbers, whatever, they, they just keep renewing you guys. Like how long can this conceivably go on considering you are working with kids and they are growing up and, you know, uh, it's not going to be 12, 14 year old kids for five straight years. Yeah. Well, we, we, we're not the Simpsons. The kids do age. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, we're going to, I mean, for season two, obviously we'll have to, you know, take a look at these kids and see, see what they see, what the deal is, um, and see what is realistic to write for them. Um, but I think certainly for one more season, we can, 
we can keep them as kids and then you know then it's a then it's a 21 year old <laughs> it's a beer league i don't know yeah no they they will they will grow and it will definitely um take on a different tone um you know that that will happen if, if they keep on wanting to you know do the show Mike, I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't get their uh, their movie rankings. Oh, yeah, we can do that. So a very controversial topic on the podcast, the ranking of the three original movies, uh, Mighty Ducks 1, D2, and then D3. Uh, how would you, both of you, rank uh, those three from best to worst? I think it's clear. I don't think there's any hmm. controversy about it. I think D2 is the superior uh best of the three the most sort of compelling d1 comes in a close second um because that's what started it all and d3 um is wonderful in its own way <laughs> say that kathy agree i mean like uh, i the only thing i'm debating is do you does it just go in order one two three because like one brings in the spirit introduces the whole the whole world you know, so so that's got a lot going for it too. I mean, in in, in the same way that I would say Star Wars, uh, the first, you know, the the four, five, six, I would rank Empire as my favorite of the movies, um, and then go back to Star Wars: A New Hope, and then go to Jedi um, as my third. I will I will keep that um, tradition alive on my on my Dutch rankings. There you go. We Tommy and I tend to agree with you. Kevin is very disappointed right now. Uh, he is a he's a D three fanboy, so um, it, it was all going well until now. It has its charm. So no one on the pod would rank D one as their favorite. So lately, I've come around to kind of putting one as the as the best one. Uh, I think D two, and we had a a very good guest a, a few weeks ago, Harmony Colangelo, who said kind of like all the fun that you remember from the Ducks trilogy is actually about D2. D1 is like a good serious sports movie and like serious might not be like the best adjective, but obviously there's a lot of, uh, you know, really good themes in there. And I think one is the, the superior movie, but I think two is probably more fun and there's nothing wrong with either of those things. But I, I agree with everyone else in the world, except for Kevin, that, that three is, uh, has a lot of charm, but it's not on the same level as one and two. Hey, Hey, Sam, Sam said that, uh, D3 was his favorite. Yeah, DJ too, so. Watts. Yeah. DJ Watts, man. DJ, okay. That's my guy. That's my guy. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's something about D1. I mean, the image of a young Steve Brill sitting in his crappy LA apartment thinking about that idea from scratch that gives it, you know, you got to give it its props. You got to give it its love. So, um, I, I, you know, can't say anything, can't say anything negative about it. It's just, what do I remember? Is your, that's what you're saying. What are the scenes that you remember? mostly from D2. There you go. Mighty Ducks Game Changers, Disney Plus, go there, watch it. Watch it again. Let's let's uh, you know, juice the numbers a little bit just to make sure Disney is paying attention. Um, for us, the quackdeck.com at quackdeckpod, facebook.com/quackdeckpod, go to iTunes, give us five stars. Tell us your thoughts for when you know what could happen in D, D or season 2. I almost said D2 there. And uh, thanks to our producers. Uh, we got some end of season awards. We're accepting nominations. I'll put a link in the show notes about how to vote for those. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Hey, ain't no turning back. Got to be the man.